Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. We have uh, Neil Villapiano on with us this evening. Uh, Neil's got a heck of a lot going on, so uh, let's get down to it here. I mean, he's a sports broadcaster and analyst journalist. He is the host of the Devil's State of Mind podcast on THPN. Um, he is the host as well of NHL Weekly, which is a, a new show on the uh, Hockey Podcast Network YouTube channel. It's on Mondays at 10 a.m. He also writes for the uh, Hockey Writers as well. So long story short, uh, you know, it was really easy to get Jeez. this guy on. He didn't have anything going on. So, uh, you know what? Thanks a lot, Neil, for uh, <laughs> thanks a lot, Neil, for coming on to the show. We really yeah, do appreciate thanks, it. Um, thanks, Marty and I got Marty and I got into it uh, basically right off w- uh, with episode one uh, where we got into the Devils. And you know what? Rather than get into all sorts of yeah. analytics or numbers or anything here, the preseason, Neil, what's it like being a New Jersey Devils fan right now, my man? It's a lot of fun. Uh, and, and again, thank you guys. <laughs> no doubt. And thank you guys so much for having me on today. It's it's certainly a pleasure. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's an exciting time. I think when you look at the team and you look at the capabilities that the team has uh, that they can do, you know, not just this season, but many years moving forward, hopefully, uh, the sky is yep. the limit. And I think that for the yeah. first time for a younger generation of Devils fans, they finally have something they can hang their hat on because, you know, throughout the last decade plus, other than 17, 18, it's been very tough watching this Devils uh, team play. And uh, I think it was just such a refreshing and exciting and emotional uh, experience last year through the <laughs> the ups and downs, mostly ups of last season. And yeah. now we go into this year. And this is probably the most excited that Devils fans have been in a long time going into the season. And I'm really looking Rightfully forward to so. seeing what this team could do, starting with uh, Thursday night's home opener against Detroit. Well, I mean, they're, they're certainly teasing you guys quite a bit here with uh, an undefeated preseason mm-hmm. thank you very much yep. i mean like you know i mean i i'm a montreal canadians fan myself and and yes you can save all the comments here and we'll ha- we can save those for another day um yeah. but but i'll talk but i'll oh, tell boy. you what even as just a fan of hockey right i mean you, you put you basically put everything onto a plate there for us neil i mean what a time it is for to, to be a fan of this team like the excitement right now is through the roof the signing, the signings you had this summer with Brat, uh, you, you bring in Toffoli, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I mean, th- it's just so much excitement going throughout. You have the whole uh, rumors with uh, Hellebuck all summer long. I mean, we obviously know what happened uh, in regards to that mm-hmm. with today's news, but it, it, it was just never ending with this team. And I mean, it, it just must be, like you say, the greatest time here in the better part of a decade to uh, to really get behind this team and and for the you know some some long suffering fans here. I mean, yes, the the the, the seventeen eighteen team was was certainly something to 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 talk about, but this is this is on a whole different level here. And for me, it, it has to do with the swagger of this team right now. Like you got Jack Hughes running around with that flow, and he knows he he knows how good he yeah. is. So for for me, it, it isn't just the fact that this team is good, but they, they damn well know it, and the swagger is off the charts. 
I, I think it's not just the swagger. I think it's a sense of confidence as well, because this team over the last couple of years has built has built themselves up until this moment. And they felt they felt as an organization that they were good enough to make the playoffs last year. Did they expect to do the type of damage that they did to some to some degree? Yes, but mostly no. Uh, but they expected to get out of this rebuild, this long, long rebuild, and finally get into the postseason. And now that they have that experience, now they know the type of talent that they have. They know what they're capable of, but at the same time, they're very humble about everything. They understand that there is going to be a process. They understand that things are not going to go as you know phenomenal as last year did, that there's going to be ups and downs. But this team has enough maturity, not just from the players, but the coaching staff and the, and the front office as well, that throughout any of these difficult moments that they might have, they're going to be able to get through them um, and come out on the other side really well. And you mentioned some of the really good moves the Devils made this offseason, bringing back Brat long-term, bringing back Timo Meyer long-term, bringing in Tyler Toffoli for very little. I mean, it was an opportunity that Tom Fitzgerald couldn't yeah. couldn't waste, and he pounced on that opportunity. There. And um, I think what's really remarkable about that move in particular is that the Devils gave Tomas Tatar a one-year deal and said, hey, We'd love to have you back. One-year deal, take it or leave it. Tatar said, no, I'm going to go test the uh, test the free agent market. And the Devils were like, okay, well, we got to go out and make other moves because we got to we got to move forward with this season. And uh, they did exactly that by acquiring someone that, I, that yeah. in my opinion, is certainly a lot better than Tomas Tatar and adding Tyler to Foley. And <clears throat> I think the other big thing is this. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald said that he believes the New Jersey Devils are now a destination organization a place where people want to go and they want to be a part of and i think that you're seeing that now with the likes of you know Tofoli coming in and wanting to sign long term tomas nosik had a deal on the table with the edmonton oilers and chose to sign with the devils instead because he felt that he gave them the best chance to win i'm sorry i had to mention that just wanted to just wanted to point that (laughs) out Um, thank you but you know you look at the team (laughs) and you you can't help but feel overly excited about what this team can possibly do the preseason while it was the preseason still a lot to be excited about i mean 38 percent success rate on the power play one of the top two penalty kills in, in the entire <laughs> nhl during that time jesper Brett and jack hughes were top two in points uh and goals during that preseason and the devils won all seven games and while it doesn't obviously mean anything once the regular season gets underway. I think it just shows the Devils are already building a lot of confidence. They're already feeding off each other really, really well. And now it's about yeah. going out there and putting that product on the ice consistently every night. And they're going to have, they're going to honestly have their hands full in the first two games. I know it's Detroit and and um, Arizona, but back to back to kind of start the year, a little bit of a difficulty, but at least they're at home for both of those games. So that is a positive. But nonetheless, the Devils are going to be challenged throughout the year. They're going to have a target on their back. And I think that's the thing I'm the most excited about. How does this team respond to knowing now they've gone from being the hunter to the hunted? Now they are going to be looked at by the rest of the league and say, we can't take this team for granted. We they they can't sneak up on us. We have to bring our best game every night. And I think that's going to make this Devils team better, knowing that they're getting the opposing team's best game night in and night out. I think that goes a long way, not just in the regular season, but also in the playoffs as well. I think a lot of that too, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe a lot of that has, yeah. has to do with Lindy Ruff. 
um, as a sidebar, I don't think we're going to hear anybody fans, any of the fans this year <laughs> chanting uh, fire probably Lindy uh, after the probably first not. two games of the season. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Do you like I, I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever seen that kind of back and forth. Not that Lindy Ruff necessarily did anything to deserve it mm-hmm. or sort of uh, counter against it. But the back and forth between the fans and Lindy Ruff specifically, I feel like because of that moment and because later on, obviously coming back and saying, sorry, Lindy, um, I think because of right. that and the success obviously always helps. I think there's a great relationship between Lindy Ruff and the fans. I think people believe more in this team because of a Lindy Ruff. Because again, mm-hmm. yes, this is a very talented team, but there's that to, to sort of go with what Mike was saying and what you were saying in terms of swagger and confidence, there's an identity. This team knows who it is. And overachieving last year fair. if i can say it was overachieving because quite frankly you landed right. one point below carolina i don't no. think anybody saw that in the regular season and then what you did in the playoffs so to a degree overachieving yeah. achieving to make the playoffs yes as an organization yeah. it's what you wanted but overall i don't think you're i don't think anybody is going to be surprised by this team at all this year and quite frankly i don't think anyone would be surprised if you surpass what you did last season i, right. I know that's obviously always the intent but to say that you're going to end up to possibly even winning the division or the, the conference, sorry, is that, is that, is, would that also be overachieving? Or can you see that realistically being in the future? I don't, I don't think that's overachieving. And, you know, you brought up the word overachieving. I think you nailed it on the head. I think the devil, like I mentioned before, I don't think a lot of people, even in the devil's organization, expected the team to have the season that they did last year. Did they expect to get themselves in the playoffs? Absolutely. And that was really the goal for this team last year. Everything after that was basically gravy. And, Mm. you know, the mindset changed once we knew we were playing the Rangers in the first round. It was, we got to find a way to beat them because that's going to give us such emotional, you know, it's just going to get us going. It's just going to make us, you know, that much more motivated. And that's what it was. And that was basically the Devil's Stanley Cup last season that was really what they were setting out to do and by the time they got to carolina yep. they just ran out of gas and i think it was a really good learning lesson for them to learn that they got to find a way to re rebound yeah. each series you got to lock it back in you got to you know you're facing a different team with a different type of game plan you got to come in and and i think that the devils are going to be more prepared once they get back into the playoffs in terms of if they made the conference finals or even won the conference finals, I don't see that as necessarily overachieving because I think to me, that's the next step. I have said throughout the offseason, in terms of progression, yeah, right. the biggest thing the Devils can do this season is to go a step further, at least a step further than they did last year. And that is getting beyond the second round, getting to the conference finals and going from there. And I think if the Devils could get to the conference finals, I don't think there's any reason that they can't go out there and go and win the entire conference as a whole. The Eastern Conference is very tough. And the Metropolitan Division, I call it consistently the division of death. It is a brutal, brutal division to go through year in and year out. And things are not going to be any easier than they were last year for New Jersey. With Carolina, the Rangers are still there. You have Pittsburgh kind of reloading and firing Eric Carlson, although I have questions about them in net. You have the New York Islanders who are going to play a physical game, but nonetheless, they are going to be competitive. It's going to be a tough division that the Devils are going to have to go through. And again, they have a huge target on their back, not just throughout the league, but certainly within their division. Yes. They they know that these teams are going to want to come out and beat them because that's going to give them a lot of credit throughout the league. Wow, you were able to knock off this Devils team. And I think for the Devils, it's important to just yeah. really embrace each game. Focus on that one game that you have in front of you. And I think 
that's what makes Lindy Ruff good is that he's able to get this team to focus in on the task at hand. Just that specific game, don't worry about what's coming ahead. Don't worry about how things have gone in the past. Just focus on how we can be better in this game. Even if we don't always get the result that we want, if there is progression regardless of the of the team's game as a whole, I think that goes a long way and the success will come and it will go from there. So I think that in terms of overachieving, uh, the only thing I could say to me personally that would be overachieving is winning the is winning the Stanley Cup. I think that because a lot of people don't expect the Devils to be uh, a Stanley Cup champion in the second year of their contention window. But I do think that the Devils yeah. have the team that's Good capable point. of doing this if the chemistry is there and the consistency is there. Well. The, the, there's two things that I wanted to hit on there, Neil. I mean, one, you, you mentioned about the Rangers, and there's two things for me that, that really stood out in regards to uh, difference makers moving forward here into this 23-24 uh, NHL season. One, for me, it was massive that that team, with the youth on that team, beats the Rangers in that series last year. That, to me, is massive for the mental aspects of the game. And then to touch on Tyler Toffoli that you mentioned a little bit earlier on as well, he of the two-time Stanley Cup champion Los Angeles mm -hmm. Kings, I, I I I think an intangible like that is so so important for a club like that. This guy has been through the ringer. He's been through the ringer with one of the most difficult coaches in, in recent memory in Daryl Sutter. I, I mean, for me, two those two things are, are immeasurable for this yeah. club. And and it brings me to my point. Tom Fitzgerald makes that deal, and like I, I don't know. Uh, up here, we, we, Marty and I are both in Ottawa, and, and it was the summer of Pierre last year with Pierre Dorio and <laughs> bringing in uh, Alex DeBrinket and, and, and all these moves right. he was making. Well, I'm sorry, but if there's anybody's summer this year, it's got to be the summer of Tom because summer with the fits, signing yeah. of both Brat and Meyer, and, 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 and then he brings in Toffoli, like you say. Uh, what are the feelings of Devils fans in regards to their general manager right now? Because for us looking uh, on the outside, looking in, Man, oh man, this guy's really put. I, I'm sorry, for me, he put on a masterclass this summer. Uh, what are your thoughts? That he's the best general manager in the NHL right now. I think because, and and I understand why uh, some people might him. argue that because of you know certain other guys like Kyle Dubas. You look at what's happening in Vegas, and obviously they won the cup. Colorado as well. But here's the thing about what Tom Fitzgerald has done. Not only has he built a contending team as well as he has, he's built a team that is built to last because not only do yeah. they have youth on their side, they yeah. have their core locked up. The salary cap is going to go up. The Devils will have over $20 million in salary cap space next offseason, and they already have their core locked up. This is without re-signing Dawson Mercer, and eventually you have to re-sign Luke Hughes, yes. potentially bringing back uh, Tyler Toffoli and other guys like that. Tom Fitzgerald has been able to keep a healthy cap. Even now, the Devils have a little less than $2 million in cap space, which will be beneficial to them once we get to the trade deadline if the Devils feel that they need to make a move. I wouldn't expect the Devils to be a team that's going to make a splash unless they get a deal that they cannot pass up. And I've said this consistently about Tom Fitzgerald. He is going to make the move that is best for this team. He is not going to make a move just for the sake of making a move so he can get headlines and say, hey, look, the Devils made a move with the offseason. No, this is about when he makes this move, what type of impact does it have? He brings in at the trade deadline. He obviously acquires Timo Meyer. That was big, but that was well before the trade deadline. Fast forward, he goes to trade deadline. The only thing he does is bring in Curtis Lazar, who is arguably on one of the best 
contracts for a fourth liner you will see in the NHL. At the time, three years, $3 million. Literally getting paid exactly a $1 million per year for a guy that can bring speed, he can be physical, and he adds a goal here and there. He added a couple of, of points during the playoffs. I really felt like he played well on that fourth line. But that's kind of the moves I'm talking about. Moves that are going to make this team that much stronger as a cohesive group. And I think for Tom Fitzgerald, he's going to be rewarded for all of this hard work that he's been putting in. And I think he's showcasing right now why he certainly, in my opinion, and obviously it's biased, uh, but still, he's the best GM in the NHL right now. You you have a, a, a championship caliber team with still a healthy cap and your entire core locked up and they've done it the right way. And I think that that's really what's phenomenal about all of this. And I know that people say, well, the, the Devils are like, look at what Toronto did. You know, they got their core and everything. I understand that. But also the Leafs had to overpay a lot of their core to keep them long term. Yeah. The Devils haven't had to mm -hmm. do that because they have shown over time that they are a first class organization, that the development team is there. They are developing young players as well. I mean, the sky is the limit for this organization long term, and that's why they become a destination place. And so for me, that's the way I look at Tom Fitz, and that's how every Devils fan looks at Tommy Fitz right now. And on and on top of that as well, Neil, I mean, you know it just as well as we do, the pipeline that they have in regards to the youngsters that are yeah. still to come up with that team. I mean, I'm not going to go over the, the list here, but I mean, you know, you got you do have Luke Cusack's coming up the pipe here. Yep. Uh, Nemich, I believe, just got sent down to the minors. But, yeah, reported I mean, arguably the kids uh, sent down. The, the Devils haven't officially put out their roster yet, but reportedly he is getting okay. sent down, which isn't a surprise. Um but yes, he will be sent down to Utica. But I mean, if that team wasn't as deep as they are in defense, I mean, arguably that kid could be up on the top club plane as it is now. But so that I mean, shows you, that shows you how point deep being, this team is. And exactly. That, and Tom Fitzgerald even it, said it this offseason. Nemich doesn't have to make the team. That's not a requirement. We're not, we are going to take our time with him and let him develop the way that we wanted to. And, but, and by the time he comes back do up, it the right way. I mean, the sky's the limit for the, for the oh, young defense. Oh my God. Yeah. How many times have we seen people rush through the system to stay in the NHL and just it, completely all the careers. time all the time absolutely the time. that's what i'm more that's what i'm so worried about adam fantelli with columbus i'm so worried <sighs> that columbus is going to panic because they're going to get off to a slow start and then they're going to be like oh we really need fantelli to play even though like, he said he didn't want he was going to go back to college yada 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 it's like just just Good let point. him let him play yeah you know if you get fired if kekele if, if kekeline <laughs> gets fired he gets fired but like you know you, you can't rush these kids and I think that that's kind of the, that's unfortunate what's happened with one of our prospects in Alexander Holtz. I think we've rushed him. And I think now we're kind of uh, seeing now that he is struggling still to kind of find that consistency. And every team goes through this. And it's important that for Tom Fitzgerald and this organization to not make those mistakes, to try to not make them again, to just let these kids develop the way that they need to develop. Gee, I just you're now that you said it, Alexander Holtz. I just saw this weird this morning. Mercer was on the third line, but now it looks like Holtz is on the third line. Um, yeah, which yeah, doesn't you're right. Surprise me. No, and it doesn't surprise you. That's the thing, eh? Like you, New Jersey fans know Holtz a little bit better than maybe I would, but uh, I I'm with you. Like this seems to be taking too long for Alexander Holtz. I do still mm -hmm. think there there's hope, a lot of talent with that kid, with that kid, yeah. but it's it's it maybe it is just taking a little bit too long. Now sure. with Dawson Mercer on your hand, we're both Mike and I are very bullish on on Mercer. We absolutely love him. If Toffoli doesn't re-sign next year, is that 
is that first line is that mercer's job it's a really good question i would say right now no but it all depends on how his season goes personally because on that top line i still like having um i, I really still like having jesper brown on that top line and i know that you could kind of flip with Tafoli and mercer on the top on those two pairings but i really do like uh, mercer to play in that second on that second one with Nico Heischer, I think that yeah. they really play well together personally. But that's um, the luxury of having so much talent, right? That's like, the thing. You we're just mentioned, I'm going to send him down in the second line to play with Nico. Like, well, we were saying throughout the, we were saying in the early goings of the preseason because Holtz got off to a really good start. We were yeah. even speculating, well, if Holtz is going to play this well with Nico Heischer and Timo Meyer, then we could just play Mercer on the third line with Pilat and, uh, yeah. and Hala, and we can have a good time with it. <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys are it, so deep. Seriously, like this is, and it's it's not just like because what Andre Platt brings and Eric, like again, like that third line deep, like that, like that's insane. And then then you go into yeah. the fourth line where you've got Lazar, no second McLeod, but still, like this is, yeah, this is a terrifying team. Um, we like to score a lot of goals. That's kind of our mentality moving forward. But we it's just smart. like to score. It's not like you're not just necessarily getting in there to score a goal and you're done. Like Lindy Ruff has a good system where that there's still responsibility. You don't just go in and. And score your goal at will, kind of thing. There's a plan. There's yeah. a, there's a process to the whole thing, so that you're not leaving your defenseman and, worst of all, your goalie sort of high and dry. So I it's a lot about puck mm -hmm. possession with this team. Exactly. It's not about just having the puck. It's keeping it. It's keeping it in yeah. the zone. It's constantly pressing. It's constantly bombarding the other team. That's really what it's all about. Are there weaknesses with this team? Sure. There's no question about it. Are there times where we're going to take chances and it's going to lead for odd man rushes going the other way? Yes, it happened last year, and I guarantee you it's going to happen again this year. There's no, It's going to happen. In 82-game season, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of the way the devil system is, it's about speed, it's about puck possession, and it's about just constantly throwing the puck on net because, as the old saying goes, uh, when you put the puck on the net, good things happen. Oh, yeah. And that's really kind of where the devils are looking at it, not just from a regular season, but also in the playoffs as well. It's going to be about... You, we have to, we have to bombard teams with shots. Like if, you know, and if the goaltender ends up stopping 38 of 40 shots and we lose three to two, so be it. It's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. But as long as the effort is still there, the puck possession is still consistent. This team is going to get their chances and they're going to take advantage of them. Well, I mean, lot. the one thing I noticed watching uh, Devils games last year, the one word that, that I, I kept coming to was suffocating because it seemed like any to any any time mm. that the opposing team got the puck. Man, I, I, and and listen, I, I'm not an X's and O's guy. I, I, I'm not that deep in, into the hockey analytics and all that stuff. But for me, just the way they played, it was like if they didn't have the puck, this team was an absolute pack of wolves. And they were just going, they, they were, yeah. they, they weren't just going, they were absolutely, and I think you used the word, Neil, they were attacking you. They were attacking you. You know, yeah. forwards come, and again, with the speed of this team, they can gap up between D and the forwards coming back and back checking. It is incredible. They just suffocate you. And then they take the puck and then they go down. And of course, as you say, puck possession team, it was just like they were skating circles around some of these teams. And it was, it, yeah. 
I mean, as a as a fan of a rival t- of, of a an opposing team, I would hate that. I mean, it was it, it it just it completely completely has to throw you off your own game plan because you one it feels like you never have the puck, and if you do, it's being bobbled here and there, this and that. I mean, for me, it was just exciting hockey to watch. Marty and I mentioned at the beginning of last year, and it's always something that I've gone back to. They just seem to suffocate you, and it and it isn't this like overly defensive mm. system by any by any stretch of means yes lindy ruff is quote unquote a defensive coach yeah but i mean this is not any kind of a a left-wing lock system or any kind of a a system that's trying to clog you up they are just literally just skating the the, the lights out yeah. this whole team and and the speed that i've seen with this team is just incredible i, I mean now that all that yeah. being said we've talked about some of these youngsters here what are a couple of the names that we haven't really mentioned or that people really aren't paying attention to, Neil, that you think we may, whether in a fantasy, uh, whether fantasy-wise or whether in real life, who are some of the players maybe that we should be keeping an eye on with these Devils? It's a really good question because, again, you know, the Devils, the the thing for any fantasy owner that they're going to love is looking yeah, at that yeah. top six and looking at the possibilities with Jack Hughes, Nico Keisher, Mercer, Bratt, uh, Toffoli, all, all those guys. I think when you look at this team – especially from like an underrated standpoint, I think you've got to look at it from the defensive side because you do have Dougie Hamilton, who is going to rack up points. He is an offensive defenseman. That's exactly what he brings. But I would argue to say that there are two guys, in my opinion, that are going to be very, very interesting to watch in terms of consistent points. One is going to be Luke Hughes. And that's not really a surprising one that's more of an obvious one because he is going to get top four minutes on this team. He's going to get power play time. He's going to be a kid that's going to be given every single possibility, every opportunity you can think of to shoot the puck, to create offense, and to make plays. And the other defenseman that might come as a surprise to some people is the guy that most likely will be his line mate, and that's going to be John Marino. And even though Marino has been considered more of a defensive defenseman I think really when you look at his offensive game it's gotten a lot better he showed a lot of it during the preseason and I think he has the capability of potting himself a decent amount of goals and getting himself a good good amount of points I would say he could push for about 28 to 32 uh, points this season which I think would be really good considering he's a second line second pairing defenseman Um, in terms of young guys if Simone Nemich gets called up, I think he's definitely a guy that you you would expect to be someone that could definitely get you points because I think he's consistent, consistently very good offensively. He's very responsible. And he's quarterback power plays as well during this preseason. So there is a lot of trust with him. Uh, Graham Clark is another one I think you want to keep your eye on. Tice Thompson as well. Uh, Nolan Foote, who appears to be looking like he's going to the IR. He's dealing with some form of an upper body injury at the moment. But when he actually is in the lineup, he ends up finding a way to get points at a decent amount of rate. Even if he's playing on the bottom six, every time he's gotten called up, he's been able to get some points. So those are some young guys that I would say that obviously are not with the team for the most part right now. But I think if they do get their opportunity, there are there are those are some young guys that you can keep your eye on for sure. I love how this team is absolutely not your nineties. Oh God, no! <laughs> this no, is the, it's definitely not. It's opposite. not your. It's not your father's or even no. grandfather's New Jersey Devils. That's right, sure. and and you said it right at the top like you made a good point like this team has solidified well Fitzgerald really has has solidified itself to be a serious contender for five six seven years 
Like yeah. I, I fully expect you guys to, to come out of this or sorry, this team, this squad as, as it is today to be to come out of this as actually being a much more successful team than your 90s New Jersey team. I think this is a better squad overall. I think at the end of mm -hmm. the day, even with Vanacek and, and Akira Schmidt, it, in terms of like if you had a question mark, I guess it's in nets. But I'm, I feel like we're drawing at straws here. I don't know that that's necessarily a big question mark. I think both those goalies yeah. are absolutely capable of carrying a team the entire season and well past into the playoffs into a cup. Like they both yeah. have that pedigree. So I don't think there's anything really stopping this team except for putting them like they're going to stop themselves would be the only way because they're, right. they're just that talented. Yeah, I agree. That's exactly the way that I look at this team, that the biggest opponent for them is going to be themselves. Yep. Is that that's going to that's going to be the reason that they uh, have the success they do and the reason that they don't. And it's up to them to believe that they are capable of doing this and that they can't get they can't, you know, go woe is me when things are not going well for a couple of games. Yeah. They have to just forget about those and they have to just take a deep breath and move forward. And that's not just in the regular season, but also in the playoffs as Special, well. I think that yeah. that's kind of what happened in the Carolina series. They kind of started to say, well, geez, we're just getting completely outworked right now. We're so gassed that we can't we can't keep doing this. And I think for them, like I said, it's a really important learning lesson that I think is going to translate to success for this team moving forward. So really it's going to be about them trusting in themselves and, you know, believing that they are capable of doing the type of damage that everybody says they says that they can. And, and I think that this team really does believe in itself wholeheartedly. I wonder why we're not seeing more pundits out there predicting New Jersey to win the cup this year, because the more I talk to you, Neil, the more I really feel <laughs> This is New Jersey's year. And I'm wearing an Oilers hat right now. And a lot of pundits are saying this is Oilers year. And I don't disagree with the Oilers necessarily. So it'd be interesting if we got the Oilers in New Jersey. We'd have to do a show for that. But um, that, would be, <laughs> that would be a matchup of speed right there. That would that be Right? That would, that would be, be something else. Speed. Yeah. That, that would be quite the Stanley Cup playoffs final. Sure. Because those two teams pinned against each other. There's a lot of similarities in those two teams. I think... Oh, yeah. I think Jack Hughes needs to get a lot more credit. I know he's already a lot of he's he's not flying under the radar anymore. But quite frankly, last year coming out at 99 points, I I don't know. I'm gonna venture a guess that he he breaks the century mark this year and and goes well beyond it. And I and I don't see any I think reason. So. I don't see why that would not happen with everything in play with all the experience yeah. they've had last year in the playoffs and the fact that they got again Lindy Ruff in that dressing room telling them guys. Don't get down on yourselves. Pick yourselves up right now. Let's go. Let's keep moving. That's what Lindy Ruff is. There's so many things that he brings, but that's definitely one of the things that he brings. He makes sure these guys, like you were saying, aren't down on themselves. Don't beat themselves up. Just get up and move on. And I think that's yeah. such a great thing for this young squad. Between Lindy Ruff and the experience they've gotten, I don't know, man. This might be a, this this team might be unstoppable this year. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. There's, like I said before, it's a lot to be excited about with this team, and it's just about getting on the ice now and proving it. And I think that, you know, is it possible we get off to a slow start? Yeah, it's always possible. Sure. I think it's more about the process for this team, continuing to build that chemistry, build that trust and go from there. And I would say that the reason why you don't see a lot of people picking the devils is the goaltending. I think that's really kind of what everybody's constantly, I mean, in, in every single podcast or any interview I've done, the first question, uh, which I'm surprised you guys haven't asked yet, uh, is what do you think about the goaltending? Because that's really what is the thing that's going to, that is going to be a question mark throughout the season. Guess what my next question is, Neil? 
Oh, there you go. What, you want to ask me about the goaltending? You're darn right, but I want to ask you about the goaltending. Now, now, look. I mean, in, in my, I mean, in my eyes, I won't speak for Marty, but in my eyes, either one of those goalies. I mean, okay, Akira Schmid. It's quite a small sample size, but look what Aiden Hill just did yeah. in Vegas. And, and I'm sorry. To me, Vanacek has, has definitely got a, a nice. I'm not worried. Uh, uh, he's got a nice body of work, as far as I'm concerned. And listen, Schmid comes in and he plays the way he did under that pressure, under the bright lights against the Rangers. Hey, listen, uh, for me, they're in a good spot. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that is going to transcend to in regards to how far they're going to go. But I, I, as far as I'm concerned, they're they're in a good spot. Yeah. No, I, I think that. A lot of people look at what happened in a series against Carolina, and that's where the questions of goaltending comes in. Because, you know, yeah. look, when the season started last year, there were questions in net. The Devils the year before that had played seven different goaltenders. Yeah. And that was really just because we had just such <laughs> bad luck with goaltending. And everyone said the year before, well, if the Devils get NHL you know, average goaltending, they're in the playoffs. Well, that's exactly what we got and more from Vitek Vanacek yep. and even as well as Akira Schmidt at several times throughout the regular season. And then when we got in the playoffs, oh, yeah. unfortunately, Vitek uh, in this small, in, which is still a relatively small sample size, mm -hmm. I think people forget that while he has been in the playoffs several times, it's still a pretty, this was the most work he had gotten yeah. in the postseason in his still young yeah. career. Um, it wasn't that, it wasn't good, period. And then Akira Schmidt comes in, literally saves the series, saves our season from going out the way that it almost did in the first round. And he ran out of gas. And Vitek, I think, was just in yep. his own head too much. And that's ultimately what led to the Devils' demise. And so you saw that from an outsider's perspective. And you say, okay, well, the Devils have one of the deepest top nines in the NHL. Their defensive core is still incredibly strong. But... What about their goaltending? And yes, the Devils went out this offseason and they talked about, they looked at Connor Hellbuck, they looked at UC Soros, they looked at John Gibson. They asked because Tom Fitzgerald is going to do, regardless of you know his feelings, he is going to go out and do what he feels is best for this organization. And at the time, the asking prices for all three of those guys was too much. And I think Tom Fitzgerald made the right move by not going after and, and overdoing it. And I think that that's the important thing. But I look at both the Kira Schmid and uh, Vitek Vanacek, and I say they are poised to bounce back. People say, well, how can they bounce back from last year? I'm talking about more from just the fact that they are going to be more consistent and that I think when the when the playoffs come around, I think that they are battle tested. I think they are ready. They both are. They both have very interesting personalities that work so well for the goaltending position. Vitek's a very, you know, fun loving guy with a great, funny personality. He speaks in third person all the time for whatever reason. And he just makes everybody feel like calm, relaxed, having a good time. Akira Schmidt, nothing bugs him. He's as cool as a cucumber. They call him Schmido the Torpedo because, like, Lee, he's cute. He's calm as a cucumber. Nothing phases him. He looks fine. No matter what happens, no matter how good or bad of a game he has, he looks exactly the same. He just gives you that same type of attitude. And I think that goes a long way for a young guy who is still developing and learning how to be a consistent NHL goaltender. And I think that for both of these guys, it's going to be their show. 
That's really what it's going to come down to. We know the offense is going to be there. We know the defense is going to make plays. It's about those two guys between the pipes, whoever's in net that night, to go out and give the Devils the best chance possible to go out and win. And I think that the Devils trust in both of those guys completely, and I think they are poised to both redeem themselves once they get into the playoffs. So the Devils' goaltending situation is not as dire or bad as a lot of people will say and have been saying throughout the year. Will it still be a question mark? Of course, I get it. I understand people look and say, you got to win. You know, a lot of teams look at, hey, you got to have a championship goaltender to win a championship. Well, you know, Aiden Hill just won a Stanley Cup in Vegas last year with a very stacked team. Uh, let's think about it. Darcy Kemper. No disrespect to him. He's not the world's greatest goaltender either. And he won a Stanley Cup two years ago with Colorado. I mean, there is constant that this has happened several times. It's not as oh, yeah. consistent as people think it is that you get a top five Vesna Trophy goaltending goaltender that wins you a cup. Last time I checked, Dallas yes. with Jake Oninger, uh, the Islanders with Ilya Sorokin, the Rangers with uh, Igor Shosturkin. None of them have even been to the finals, let alone win anything. Exactly. And they have three of the top goaltenders. The only exception you can make is Andre Vasilevsky, and that's understandable because the guy is a freak. Um, but yeah. at the end of the day, the devil's goaltending is a lot stronger than I think people give him credit for. And I think you're going to see a lot of that throughout the season. I think what I find funny when we talk about goalies in New Jersey, or I think goalies in general, is that a lot of people tend to forget that what makes a goalie stronger and better? Well, experience. Right. Uh, actually losing games, going through adversity. And um, check, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure both of those goalies went through a little bit of that they last did. year. Actually, maybe maybe less Schmied than, than Vanacek, but it doesn't matter. They went through it. And what usually comes out of that is a better performance, a chip on their shoulder, especially waiting to get to the playoffs. Playoffs, Vanacek's going to go into that playoffs going, all right, now's my time. Right. I'm going to show these people what I made of. And this is exactly what you want. You want to give them that incentive to prove people wrong. So quite frankly, all of us sitting around going, I don't see New Jersey being that good because of the goaltending. All you're doing is fueling the fire. Exactly. So as far as I'm concerned, they did the best thing by just leaving as it is. I've always liked Vanacek. He's always played well. Anytime I've watched him, either it's Washington or now in New Jersey, it didn't matter. I liked his style. I liked his moxie. And now you throw in Nikita Schmidt, who I don't think, like you said, I don't think you can shake this kid at no. all. I think he is, like you said, cool as a cucumber. He does not get rattled. If he has a bad game, he literally shrugs it off and moves on to the next one because what else are you supposed to do other than get better, which I think he exactly. does. He's aware that he's a professional. Yep. So all of this can set, all this put together, what does that spell? Success for New Jersey. So quite frankly, I'm not concerned about the goaltending at all, at all, at all. Nailed it right on the head. Well, I'll tell you, Neil, uh, you know what? We got a lot of information from you here in regards to the Devils. It's been an exciting team to watch here uh, from the outside looking in. I can only imagine the fandom that's going on right now in New Jersey, ready for you guys to start the season with a uh, an undefeated preseason. You know what? Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot, Neil, for, for being on the program today. Really appreciate you yeah. taking the time. And uh, for all you listeners out there, make sure you're checking uh, Neil out every Monday, 10 a.m., on uh, the NHL Weekly, it's on the uh, Hockey Podcast News, uh, or sorry, Hockey Podcast Network uh, YouTube channel, and of course his Devil mm -hmm. State of Mind podcast as well, uh, where you can get all of your information, Devils. Uh, Neil, thanks a lot for being on, man. Really appreciate it. Thank Inspired. you guys so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun, and uh, I look forward to jumping back on cool. the podcast in the future. Absolutely, absolutely, we'll have absolutely. you back on, and it will not be very long, I'm sure. Thank you guys. Thanks, Neil. Take care. Take care, bud. And there he is, folks, Neil Villapiano. Devil State of Mind podcast, and of course, like I mentioned, his uh, NHL Weekly uh, as well at uh, 10 a.m. on Mondays. Be sure to check that out. We are going to jump into 
check my fanny. But first, we're going to take a commercial break uh, from our sponsors, DraftKings. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. That five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Thursday Nighters sees the Kansas City Chiefs open up as 10.5 point favorites over the lowly Denver Broncos. Get in on the game day greatness, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Food Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. Licensing partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Los Angeles. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. More than Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issue. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And we are back with Check My Fanny. My Fanny. It's perfect. And you know what, Marty? Yep, what's happening? It's it, it's Christmas time. It's a Christmas. It is. Time? It's yeah. It Why is for is me. It it's the because man, it's, it's the sorry. day before the start of the NHL season, baby. So you know what? And in in conjunction, we start our CFHL season uh, basically tonight as well um, with. Uh, Let's see here. Going over the matchups, we've got uh, myself and the Royals. We're going to uh, go one versus one, if you will, to start off the season. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of bottom dwellers in the Pond Hogs and the Demons that are going to take on uh, each other this week. Uh, of course, the battle of the runners-up uh, between the Buccaneers and the Apocalypse as well. And yours truly, Marty and the Brigands, in a revamped Gretzky division, will take on the Cougars, who stayed in the Howe division. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting, some of these matchups here. Uh, obviously, I think matchup of the week is probably uh, myself and Scott, so yep. uh, that's not to take away from any of the other contenders, but one versus one from each division from last year. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, we're going to obviously go over a couple of things here uh, in regards to Beauty and the Beast in uh, in a few minutes. In regards to how uh, some of these players who are on a what what is for us a short week, um, I don't know about other other uh, yeah. leagues, but uh, basically us, it's kind of a shorter week. It's about five days out of seven. So we're going to go over a few players with you in a little bit that are going to help you out in that first week. But uh, I'll tell you what, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty excited. It's going to be interesting. You kind of mentioned it last week too, Marty. Um, it's going to be tight. Like we literally have probably, I, I would say six teams that will contend and, and potentially two that will could fall off, fall by the wayside a little bit here. But uh, within that would be the Cougars. And I do still think that they've got quite a bit of pieces that can do some damage. But I mean, 
again, it's just going to be a dogfight. I firmly believe that the Cougars' role definitely this year, and has been the last few years anyways, um, because he won a championship not that long ago, but definitely their role has been spoiler. They they come in and they run amok with your schedule because you don't know what you're getting in terms of that particular week. So while I'm fine to... Like a little wild card, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Because like, I'm fine to think to myself, well, I mean, on paper, I, I feel like I'm... I'm more competitive this year than the Cougars are. However, he's definitely got some players that can... So all I need are a couple of my players not to do their thing. And he will have enough on his team to beat me. So you still need to be very, very sharp against Ryan. Um, again, this is not a slight against Tom, but Tom is absolutely in a rebuild situation. Um, but with Ryan, mm-hmm. again, you've got players like Boldy, Caulfield, Connor, Cousins. That's a lot of C's there. Um, Larkin, Nylander, <laughs> Panarin. Uh, oh, he got Reichel? Oh. You mean, you mean Panarin? No, I go with Panarin. Um, oh, okay. Suzuki. Right. Yeah, I t- yeah. I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with Panarin. I don't care what his real name is. It's Panarin. That's all right, man. It's Panarin, and it's, hey. it's my world. You're living in it. Um, so hey, I told the boys I'd keep up my job, and I'm going to do it. <laughs> Morrissey on defense, <laughs> Cider even. Um, you know, anyways, he's got enough players that you need to be concerned. So, yes, it's true. Six will be contending for uh, the Cup, absolutely. And I'm going to take back what I said at the draft, where I said the, the, the Cup – goes through Jason this year. At the time, I felt that his team was the team to beat. And it's not a slight against Scott. Scott won the the, um, the championship last year. It still absolutely needs to go through Scott. But what I'm saying today is that it actually, I'm taking it back. Not that Jason's not going to be very competitive, but there are holes in his, in my opinion, defense and goaltending. Whereas with Scott, his biggest hole is on defense and who does he have on defense? Carlson and Fox. Okay. <laughs> That's his biggest hole. And I'm pointing that out just because it, as ridiculous as that sounds, because it is ridiculous to say a team that has Carlson um, and Fox has a hole on defense because the other ones, the Masson, the, the uh, who is it? The Ekblad, who's not playing yet, but he will. Uh, Jersey, Sanderson, and there's that other guy. Oh, yeah, uh, Forsling. These are, these are not your top tier defensemen. They're, they're fine to throw in. They're good pieces. Uh, they're, you know, they're warm bodies on the ice and that's something. Uh, but let's face it. He's going to be relying on Carlson, uh, and Fox to sort of fill in the gap. So if you spread those points out from all, for all those players, you're still looking at a very solid decor. So Scott, yeah, I'm taking it back, Scott. No, I, and I'm sorry. I didn't say it, uh, on draft night. All due respect. Scott is it, He's a reigning champ for a reason, and his team is ridiculously stacked for a really long time. And remember, he he got McKinnon late in the season last year, or later in the season, I should say. So he's getting him from day one now. So and like I, you know, even Huberto, who you can't, I don't feel he's going to have the bounce back season that people are saying he's going to have, but he could. And he's still going to play, right? He's going to be on the top line, even top line power play. He's going to get you those points. So Eichel, Huberto's uh, Hyman, McKinnon, Point, Stutzel, both Kachucks, Zuccarello. Uh, gosh, I don't know, man. It's a deep forward group. That's pretty deep forward group. Very, for sure. very deep. And I mean, and I mean, you got several guys that are pushing for 100 points here. I yeah. mean, a guy like Huberto could again could. push for the century mark. Eichel as well. Point. Uh, you got so. 
I mean, Stutzlik takes the next step. So, he, you know, oh, you're ta- starting to get to like four or five deep here that could be pushing for a century mark. So ridiculous. that could certainly, um, if that does come to fruition, that could certainly kind of mask any issues that he may have on defense in regards to, yeah. you know, how deep he would be there. Again, again, mentioning that he has, you know, arguably two of the top, <laughs> two players that are definitely in the top 10. You could yeah. argue probably top five as well in Fox and, and Carlson, but uh, you know what? It, it, like, it, it's just it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to come down a lot to uh, man games played in certain instances. Um, yep. You know, maybe a goalie's playing an extra game or or, or something to that effect. So, yeah. I mean, look, it's, we've gotten to the point in our league where <sighs> so you know tight. we're getting down to the to the to brass tacks here, where you're having to look at games played and and making sure that you're you know you're not four or five games behind here for the week because yeah. again we're not a daily fantasy so it's not like we can go out and add somebody who's playing an extra game that week and mm-hmm. and keep them in the lineup or anything to that degree we we draft at the beginning of well i mean anywhere from mid september to the beginning of october and we are not adding anyone unless it's through trade or potentially bringing up a farm system player uh, until basically third week mid January. Well, you still so, even if you do a trade, you still can't insert a midweek. You got to wait till the week's over and get into the next week, which well, means you've no, already you already played that that week, so you've already either won or lost that game. Then you move on to the next one. So it, it's very difficult to project what your players will do. What you basically have to bank on is that well, he's at least playing that week. I'm, I, you know, three games versus two makes the difference. So, like, I, as a perfect example, this week I'm toying with the idea of sitting Tarasenko because I've heard he's been uh, demoted to the third line. They split him from Batherson, um, so now he's on the third mm-hmm. line and he's on the second line power play. So I'm debating putting him down, but everyone else that that, that I'm I'm dressing, uh, or sorry, everyone else that's benched is all playing at least two or maximum two, mostly just one, and. I don't know. I feel like a man game is better than, you know, an extra man game gives me that one extra opportunity. I'd ca- ca- either catching up or extending my uh, my lead on whatever happens that week. So at the end of the day, we bank a lot on total man games played for the week. One of the interesting parts about our league and, you know, we've always tried to mimic as closely as one can to, to the actual NHL. Right. And I mean, you know, we hear the same thing year after year, you know, being a playoff position by, uh, you know, American Thanksgiving, you kind of set yourself up well for the rest of the year. Well, in our league, because of the fact that you can't just kind of add these players willy nilly like you would in a daily fantasy, it really does become quite important for your team, uh, your fantasy team to get off to a hot start because it becomes very, very difficult uh, the rest of the year to continuously catch up. Uh, to some of those uh, some of those top teams, whoever they may be at that particular moment, mm-hmm. so it, it it does make for an in, an interesting little crinkle to the season as well. Where you know it, if I'm two or three games out here by mid season, that that becomes quite difficult to make up, uh, and yeah. and especially if you know we're not just talking about one team ahead of you. If there's like two or three teams ahead of you, and you're like three games out, I mean. Good luck. I mean, yeah. You know, everybody's going and, to, and that's, and that's the, that's the other reason why, right? Is everybody, including those top teams, unless they don't have, you know, any kind of picks in midseason, they're in a situation where they're loading up as, just as much as you are with players that they would need, or, or maybe a, a player that works out better for them at that particular time. So it, it really does make for an interesting start to the year. Uh, you know, a game like this becomes pretty damn important, right? Like, I mean, both myself and, and Scott see ourselves as, as contenders and 
hey, I mean, yep. you know, as obvious as as obvious as the statement is, I'd rather be one and zero than zero and one to start the year, and then <laughs> you know you're already playing catch up mode before week two even hits, right? So it yeah. it certainly will be interesting to see how everything plays out here in the first week, and. Of course, as as things move on here in the first couple months of the season. So, before we move on to uh, Beauties and the Beast, quick question for you: Someone who you currently start started on your team, someone you're looking forward to, so the season can start, you can see what this player is going to do for you. Is there somebody on your team right now? You're like, oh, I can't wait to get, I can't wait to see this guy get going. Who's that? Oh, I mean, from my own team, I I probably want to. In all reality, it's probably the goaltending. I'd, I'd really like to see what's going on with my goaltending. I mean, obviously, they're all three in good spots. Um, but I mean, you know, yeah, I'm surprised. And, and even and even and even more so with uh, with the um, signing of Hellebuck today. I mean, obviously, the guy's happier. You know, he wouldn't have signed there. I mean, he signed for seven years, so he's he's very mentally comfortable, obviously. But I mean, of course, now you just want to see how all that plays out. Right. Because especially when it comes to Hellebuck, I mean, the other two guys, I kind of know what I'm getting. A little, you know, a little bit uh, kind of rides on how the Islanders as a team are going to play in regards to Sorokin's success. But when it comes to Hellebuck, he's had kind of one year on, one year off, one year on, one year off kind of deal, right? And believe it or not, this is supposed to be the year off. So, you know, you see those trends and, and, and it's not just you know, a couple of years, like there is a trend to this. So you wonder if, if that's now going to kind of switch a little bit. So it'll, it'll just be interesting to see. And, and with the mentality of what the jets did today there, you know, there's a lot going on uh, for that organization today. Um, And of course, I mean, right down to the players. I mean, you're getting two major pieces back here. Like your first line centerman isn't going anywhere for seven years and your starting goaltender sticking around for seven years as well. So you know, not just the obvious that these guys are going to be on the ice here, but, you know, as 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 late as, you know, this morning. I mean, this team, uh-huh. I mean, if I'm a Gabe Velarde or if I'm a uh, Kyle Connor, you're kind of sitting there saying, OK, like, I know we're going into the season with these two guys, but, but where are we going? And, and yeah. I don't for me, regardless of whether you like what the Jets did today or not. In my eyes, Shevel Dav saying, "Yeah, we're we're contender." Like, there, there's yeah. for me, there's no, there's no other way of looking at it. That that general manager, yeah. that organization, uh, and, and furthermore, the two players that signed are are, are of yeah. the mentality that, yeah, we can do some damage here. And and Marty, we talked about it a little bit at the start of the year, and you know, I, I know maybe some people aren't as high on the Winnipeg Jets as as others, and you know, even myself, I'm cautiously optimistic i suppose would be the most positive outlook i could give you know i just want to kind of see how things fit a little bit but i'll tell you what the pieces are there i mean we talked about it already i mean you go yes earlers there's a little bit of an injury thing going on there we're not too sure but you got your first line center back you got still have kyle connors is around 40 goal score uh you know you bring in need need a writer and the reason i mention a guy like that is he slides into a second line quite nicely oh yeah like i mean and and if he has to dip to the third line so be it and I mean, you know, you get Rasmus Kupari, Aya uh, uh, Fallo in the trade for uh, uh, for Dubois. Like, you know, does it feel like a bit more of a linear move than anything else? Maybe on the surface, but let's see what this team's going to do here. What I mean, what I'm going to suggest though is that as much as you're right, and I think a lot of people look at it as a linear move in the sense that nothing really lost or gained. Like you had these guys going into the season, and it didn't matter. 
but what the overhanging cloud was going to be there. But I mean, to a degree, you can kind of mitigate that and that's fine. However, what I will say is by solidifying these two players now, seven years, now there's a plan, right? Like, let's say now he sat them at some point, I would assume the coach bonus knows what he's doing. He took this team last year to the playoffs. I this team had no business being in the playoffs last year. Maybe they did, but they didn't in the sense that nobody felt like this was going to happen. And they kind of overachieved themselves. I know we just talked about the New Jersey overachieving, but that's, these are two very different worlds. I'm looking at this team with your Connor, Shifley, Velarde in the top line, then Ehlers, Perferetti, who's going to have a better season this year too, um, constant progression, right? And then Niederreier on the second line. Iafalo, Lowry, and Appleton on the third. And then even further, Baron, like, Kupari, and Namistov on the fourth. Are you friggin' kidding me? And the arrival uh, of, of um, one Morrissey, who's all of a sudden a potential point-a-game player on defense, and you can sort of seal that up on defensemen with, you know, DeMalo and Pionk doing their thing, Nate Smith even to a degree. I'm sorry, but I'm not... It's I'm, a good team. It's a, this is a very, very good team, and I've been saying it... Like, sneaky good. Absolutely, and I've been saying it since the offseason when, when they finally made that trade. Pierre-Luc Dubois, see you later, which I do believe had a bigger impact in that locker room than... I know people are already aware of that, but I think it had an even bigger impact than, than we're even comfortable talking about. I think it actually affected Mark Shifley. I think it had something to do in that dressing room. Maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois sees himself as being more vocal on a team, and Shifley maybe didn't want that confrontation. I'm making this up in my mind based on some things that I've read, so don't go quoting me on this. But I do feel that Shifley now, unquestionably, the absolute number one center on that on that team Pierre-Luc Dubois probably wants that title right like he that's why he went over to Vegas or um, the Kings because in about three years when Kopitar's contract's up it's Pierre-Luc Dubois job because he signed a mm -hmm. seven year so that's the intent right that's the that's the concept there so for Shifley this is perfect and I think now there's more of a comfort there Rick Bonus knows what he's doing he's already taken this team once he'll do it again the contract dispute is behind everybody we've got longevity now with this with this club Look out, because again, the more you want to put a team down and say you're not going to do anything, the more they have less to play for. Less expectations and, just opens it up for these guys. So just have some fun and play and, hockey, and they'll be successful. And let's not forget here, I mean, you know, if I'm not mistaken, it was, you know, kind of late into January, maybe mid-January, end of January here, that this team was in first place in that conference. Hello. Like, like the Jets were right up yeah. there and, and and playing extremely well. So yeah. I, listen, I mean, whatever happened in the second half happened. Uh, you know, does that have to do with Rick Bonus? I, I I don't know. I, I don't know. But what I can say is there are some pieces that have been moved out, some newer pieces coming in. Uh, you know, Ooh, on the surface, I mean, uh, Bonus seems to be. Uh, he's he's not the detriment, is what I'm getting to. No. I, I don't think. That that's what's holding things back necessarily no. or what what necessarily went down in the second half. But, I mean, they've got the goods, you know, that, and like you mentioned, they brought in some youth here over the summer with, with the uh, Dubois trade. So it's going to be interesting to see how things play out here. But, boy, oh, boy, talk about a message that was sent today oh, with yeah. the, those two signings. And I'll tell you what, I mean, uh, you know, th things look a little bit better in uh, in Winnipeg uh, today uh, than they did yesterday, that's for sure. It's funny, too. Eh? Like um, when Rick Bonus signed the Winnipeg, both of us were like, all right, so this is a bridge coach. To, to going back into finding somebody else at some point and they'll figure themselves out. So they're in a rebuild. So give them another five years. Remember that we both agreed to that and I, don't deny it. 
You you said it. Uh, nope, not denying it. <laughs> not denying it. No. Nope. All right, moving and on. And now on to Beauties and the yeah. Muting on the Beauties and the Beasts. Beast. All right, Beauties and the Beasts. Okay. All right. So So listen, I mean w- w- with our particular uh a league, I mean, we have a short week. Uh, basically games from October 10th to October 15th. I don't know if other leagues are maybe jamming a couple weeks together to make one big week, whatever the case may be. Uh, but my, Marty and myself, we're going to go over kind of the parameters of our own league. Uh, we have a league that goes from Monday to up to and including Sunday. Uh, so that's the that's our schedule week per week in a head-to-head uh, uh, matchups. Um, so we're going to give you some players that we think are going to help you, uh, in particular in the first week, again, going off of our... Uh, parameters and for me I'm going to start off with Tristan Jerry now obviously we all know that the Penguins add you know Eric Carlson Uh, I I don't think this helps them too much defensively and and furthermore I I don't think that Jerry will have the most stellar of peripheral numbers over the course of the year but I do think that he is going to be a great source of wins and I certainly think he's going to help you in the first week as they're playing both Chicago and Calgary at home and then they go on the road to play Washington. Those three teams had a winning percentage of 472 last year. So for me, good way to start off the, uh, the year this year um, would be to slide Jerry into your lineup. Uh, Scott, if you want to just keep him on the bench, that would be more than fine. Uh, no problem whatsoever there. But for, uh, for your other managers who aren't playing against uh, Tristan Jerry this week, it might be a pretty good add to uh, throw him in there as you, uh, one of your tenders. Uh, certainly a favorable matchups this week, that's for sure. Uh, next up, uh, one of my own guys, Claude Giroux. Uh, the Senators are playing uh, at home against Philadelphia and Tampa Bay, and then they go on the road against Carolina. Um, for me here, Giroux playing on that first line, getting some exposure to, uh, to uh, Stutzla, uh, for me really goes a long way of course he's on power play one as well uh i just think that he's that type of guy he's gonna get lost in the shuffle a little bit even though he's on the first line and first power play i mean stutzel is gonna get get a get a lot of the love obviously uh obviously. but i mean i think he just kind of he kind of slides in there and isn't a forgotten man but you know what i mean you kind of forget that this guy is still you know in that 75 you know pushing 80 point area here so career uh, year you know, for we're, him we're last year p- and goals scored well so keep that in and, mind. and 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 for me it has to do with the team right yes. like it's going to be a high scoring team uh and and that's the other so thing too happy. i mean this guy's two he's two years into that contract being at home now oh, like man. he must just be loving it yeah. and i can't see why things won't continue uh, uh production wise no for reason. uh for Giroux. i think he's going to be a good uh uh, a good player to put in your lineup this week as well. Um, I'm obviously going to continue to cheat in regards to our beauties and the beast. Um, I, I don't Seriously. know when this is going to stop. What's up? I don't know when this is going to stop. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I don't know. I really don't. Do you uh, want to talk about sure. it? <laughs> <laughs> but maybe. I might have to talk. You know what? I won't be on next week's show. Unfortunately, I have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but 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 what Seeing I will say is Ivan Barbashev. Yeah, <laughs> two two Vegas nights in uh, Ivan Barbashev uh, and Shea Theodore. They're in a good spot again, playing some weaker teams. Uh, they've got Seattle and Anaheim at home, and then they go on the road uh, against San Jose. The winning percentage for those three teams was four forty three last year. And, and I mean, look. <sighs> We saw what Barbashev did in the playoffs last year uh, beside Eichel, and that doesn't look like it's going to change. I mean, he's still lining up beside him, so you know, just from having exposure to a player like that, 
and, and again, three games in, in the week. There's not a massive amount of teams that are playing three games. You want to try and take advantage of that in the man games department for sure. Um, you know, Bar- Bar- Barbashev alone, just being, uh, just being on that line uh, certainly does it for me. Theodore, you know, I'm a kind of expecting big, th- big things from him. I know there was an injury last year, but, you know, he, he scored at, at a quite, uh, quite a nice rate last year as well. Um, and again, three games, the Seattle, Anaheim, and San Jose on the road. Uh, you know, I, I really see him uh, being a big piece of the puzzle out there. And, I, and, and furthermore, I do see him being leaned on much, much more as we continue to move forward here. In regards to that power play one, uh, I know it, it seems over the past couple of years they kind of divide the time up fairly evenly. But, you know, I, I just think Theodore has got so much more to offer uh, in regards to the offensive game. And on that power play, I certainly think that he uh, is definitely leaned on more in regards to that. So those are another two players that I would go ahead and, and uh, um, push into your lineup this week for sure. Uh, one guy that I'm fading, and I'll go back to my own club again this week, is Ilya Sorokin. Um, listen, great goaltender. Can he put up a shutout in, in a heartbeat against any club uh, yes. in the NHL? Absolutely. Is he going to have a hard time doing that against what I think is going to be an off- offensive juggernaut this year in the Buffalo Sabres? I think he's going to have a hard time. I mean, look, I mean, we all know what Sorokin is. Super, super great goaltender, uh, you know, top of the league. The unfortunate thing is the team that he plays for. Um, you know, can he, does he do a lot of damage on his own? Yes, he does. Uh, could he do even more so if the team could, you know, muster up even that much more offense? Yes, he, he would even be in a more elite tier, if you will. Yeah. Um, but I would certainly fade him this week as he's playing Buffalo. And that is the only game that the Islanders are playing this week. Um, so there you go. There's my beast for the week. Ilya Sorokin, Marty. Over to you, buddy. All right. First up, we've mentioned a little bit on the show, right? One Mr. Tyler Toffoli at home against Detroit Mm. and Arizona. I mean, there's a lot of players to take out of New Jersey for this, but I'm picking him because, quite frankly, all he does is score. 34 goals last season on a Calgary team that most nights looked like they forgot how to score completely. Um, I fully believe (laughs) he'll explode out of the gates, as will the entire Devil squad, and this will just be fun. So, honestly, with with Toffoli, Playing on the first line, because he's on the first line, even strength and power play, set it and forget it. I don't see him not fitting in well with this club. I don't see him not playing well, period, because he played well on a team last year in Calgary that just really shit the bed every night, yet still he put up numbers. So on this <clears throat> on this team, just expect something completely otherworldly from Tyler Foley. It'll be hard not to re-sign him at the end of the season. I'm, I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, it... it- it, it would be tough. It, you know, for me, it all depends on what kind of length he's looking for, what kind of term. Yeah. I mean, if he's looking for a couple of, a couple of years, that would kind of fit right into my plans if I'm, you know, if I'm uh, New Jersey management. I may even yep. go a third year if I can get a little bit of savings on that potentially. Yeah. But, I mean, e- either way, I mean, and I, I mentioned it during the show, the intangibles that this guy's going to bring to the club, I think, are just immeasurable. The next guy I'm putting, I had put on, and I'm just realizing now that I should have changed it because I afterwards read a different story. Is I had Vladimir Tarasenko, so at home, Philly, Tampa, and like you said, on the road against Carolina. So originally, for a guy who I, this is what I wrote originally for a guy who barely is cracking the 180p this year, here's a guy who can do a ton of damage for your team. He'll be on the, <laughs> he was on the first power play. Um, I'm not even going to read the rest of this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to go off the cuff. Vladimir Tarasenko, I don't see him. So he's, how can I say this? If you're not making Tarasenko happy, he's not going to play happy, and he's not going to play well for you. 
Pierre didn't go out, Pierre Doran did not go out and sign him to $5 million to play on the third line. I can appreciate how during the preseason, he hasn't exactly exploded out of the gates. This is preseason, though. It depends on how much how much stock you put into that. There is chemistry f- with him and uh, Batherson. I can appreciate that DJ wants to, the coach, DJ wants to spread the love. But I'm going to tell you right now, Tarasenko on a third line at five mil, no, it's not going to last. It absolutely will not last. It really, quite frankly, should not last. That's not why they went out and got him. He should be on that first power play at the very least. I, I, I'm, I'm pausing to suggest that I can understand why you may want him on the third line, but I still wouldn't put him on the third line. You, Tarasenko needs to be on that second line, even strength, and first line power play if you want any kind of production out of a guy who could potentially score 40 goals for you. Now, you put him on a third line and second line power play, you should be happy if he gets 20. And that's not why you went out and got him. So I don't under I don't I don't see this making any sense and I don't see this having legs. This will end quickly, this little experiment. And quite frankly, this could just be something, maybe it's a message that DJ Smith is trying to send out to the team. Maybe specifically Tarasenko, meaning you are movable. I don't care. If you don't come out of the gates scoring for us the way we, we are paying you to, I will demote you and it'll be fast and you'll be unhappy. Maybe that's what he's trying to do with this. But um, Well, I mean, yeah. for, for, for me, I think there's a little bit of a link right now because you're kind of getting this lack of information in regards to this Pinto thing. And yes, it, it, it you know, I, I got to wonder if maybe, you know, over the course of the summer, late in the summer is when they kind of brought Tarasenko in. I wonder if they kind of knew a little bit then. And this is kind of, I, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I don't know. I, I haven't been, uh, you know, uh, in the background here with the Ottawa Senators in any way, shape or form. But I just, I wonder now with all of this, in, this lack of information coming out about Pinto, you know, did they kind of know something a little bit and that's why they brought in uh, uh, Tarasenko. And, and like you say, I mean, with a guy like that, you probably want to put him into a, a situation where he's going to succeed. Um, you yeah. know, second power play, you know, that doesn't bother me so much. I mean, they do have that much going on in regards to the first power play. They do have that much talent. Um, so I can understand that. But when it comes to that second line, I, you got to try and get him in there in, in all reality. I mean, a third line, oh, that becomes quite difficult. I mean, you know, in regards to the, the skill that they would have with some of those players on the third line and, and his own skill level, you start to have a little bit of a gap there. So will be interesting to see what DJ Smith does here in regards to these guys. But man, oh man, I tell you, it, it's... You got to wonder if, if they're going to get the value out of that contract or not. We will see, but it doesn't look like that at the particular moment. Um, so I don't want to beat a dead horse to the ground. So let's just beat a dead horse to the ground. That's not the saying. Beat a dead horse. End it there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> next up, uh, Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, so away and home, Edmonton and Edmonton. So he's come in leaner and more determined. Uh, and as I understand, he's even cut out the Nutella. So he's on the top line, even strength power play with one of the most skilled centers in the league. <laughs> Make no mistake, Kuzmenko's season last year was no fluke. It, honestly, it's just the beginning. I don't see him slowing down. I see him picking up. I, a lot of people see a regression just because his shot, um, his shooting percentage was so high. And overall, his numbers were just so high for a first year in the NHL. To me, at 27, he's in his prime. 
I don't understand why we would suggest that it's going to regress. He came in at the beginning stages of his prime at 26 years old, performed as if he was at the beginning stages of his prime, which means his next season should be that much better. There's no, there's no discomfort for him. He's very comfortable in the NHL. There's nothing slowing him down. The only thing slowing him down is himself. And he's made it very clear this year that he's going to be, he, and he did, he came into this season leaner. He's cut out some things that he doesn't need in, in, his, in his body anymore. And he's more determined. So why are we suggesting that he's going to slow down and actually regress? Just because the number seems too absurd? That doesn't make any sense to me. He's done it his entire, he's done it, he's, I could see if he came in, in the NHL and like had flashes of brilliance and reached 70 something Mm -hmm. points, but he didn't, he he came into the league and had consistently brilliance throughout the whole year and ended at 70 plus points. He was a very consistent player. So why are we suggesting there's a regression here? So I'm sorry, I don't see a regression at all for Kuzmenko. He's still playing, like I said, with the same guy who helped him out last year, Pedersen. And actually, Elias Pedersen has got a, a bit of a chip on his shoulder himself. Neither the Canucks nor he want to commit to this team. It's kind of a prove it, and I don't understand why the Canucks would be taking this stand with Pedersen. But I think the two of them are going to have something something of a season this year. Um, what does that really translate to? He, maybe Kuzmenko falls behind on goals, but I think overall points... No, I think he picks up. I think he's gonna go. He's gonna surpass points per game this year. He, I think he ended at seventy-seven in eighty-one, and this year he'll end up with I don't know eighty-five in eighty-one and eighty-two, something like that. So at this point right now, I see no reason why to to suggest that he'll slow down just because what he did in his first season was so good. It's not like we're talking about Boston Bruins last year that came in and became the best team in that the league has ever seen. Yes, there's a regression there. That makes sense. But again, for a guy who came in at the beginning stages of what is supposed to be your best years, has his best year in his first full season in the NHL, why are we assuming he's uncomfortable on any level is beyond me. He played in a sh- he played for an organization that off the ice was in complete turmoil, handled it like a charm, no issue to his game whatsoever. So again, not sure why we're suggesting he's going to regress. I don't think he will at all. I think it will surpass. And, and I mean, it's it's the players that he's playing with too, right? Like, I mean, you're talking about Miller and Peterson. Like, both of these oh. players can push for 100 points. Yep. So, I, I mean, you know, when you've got exposure to these players, you know, and, and okay, so maybe it's, we'll see how it plays out in regards to five on five. It certainly sounds like he's going to have some exposure to them, uh, but in particular on the power play. And, and let, let's, let's remember as well, he's a net front presence, right? <clears throat> like, not every team has that. And that becomes super yeah. vital for your power play. I mean, this guy's going to knock in. This guy's going to knock in st- garbage goals right in front of the crease. You know, All ten, a dozen, fifteen of them. Like, I mean, and he's stronger uh, this year. You know, he's I'm bigger and stronger this year. So he's, I don't know. That translates to more goals, as far as I'm concerned. I, again, he's he's in a good spot, and you know it's not like the guy's playing third line. So you know we're we're talking yeah. about all this third line and, and and not having some exposure to to your top six or your more skilled players. He's all over it, and I can't see where uh, things are going to go sideways for this guy. I mean, does he does he hit the exact same amount of points? I don't know, but he's certainly going to be right around that area. I mean, it's oh, not easily. like the guy's going to fall off the face of the earth here. He's he's still no. a massive piece of what the Canucks are doing down there. So uh, yeah, exactly. I. I I, I don't know if they're if I'm of, of the same um, um, thinking that that this massive regression is going to happen. 
listen, I, I, I don't know exactly where he's going to fall, but I, I'll tell you, it, it, he's in a good spot to continue his progression, like you're mentioning, and c- to continue to grow his game overall. Uh, lastly, I know this. we've talked about this, this guy being a great um, candidate for a bounce-back season, and I do still believe that he's absolutely still a great candidate for a bounce-back season. However, if you read too much into preseason stuff, you'll understand why I put Markstrom here. So Jakob Markstrom, he's letting in some weak goals. He's looking distraught and overall exactly how he played last year. So it's not good. If you don't read anything into this, then you know hope is basically all you've got going into the season for Markstrom. That a hope that he'll turn it around. Hopefully this makes more sense for him. Hopefully the new coach and the new system will be better for him. Hopefully he's got a chip on his shoulder. Hope, 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 hope. But if you're going off of facts, and what we do know is that he last year he did not play well, and right now in the preseason, he looks the same. So there's reason to be concerned. He's playing at home against Winnipeg and then away against Pittsburgh. Um, these are going to be some tough games. It's going to put this new system, this new team to a test. I, As much as I do think Calgary has the potential of being better than what I've been predicting them, I do think out of the gate this team will struggle f- mightily for a while. Whether or not that affects Markstrom, I don't know. But I, I will say this. As a team, as a fantasy manager, you're looking for Ws, you're looking for shutouts. I don't think Markstrom's your man. And I'm actually dressing him this week. Uh, it's because my options are either Darcy Kumper playing one game or Akira Schmidt. Schmid, sorry. Um, and I know he'll only play one of the two games if he plays one of the two games this week. So I'm better off going with Jakob Markstrom, who is going to be given both games this week most likely. But who knows? Maybe Vladar gets the other one just to see. So... That's my beats. Markstrom, tough sell. Tough sell this week. Got to agree. I mean, it, 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 it's it, it's disconcerting the situation for the preseason. I mean, he has let in some softies, but hey, it's the preseason for a reason. So, you know what? Let's just see what Hopefully. he can what he can come up with, and we'll we'll figure it out from there. But I still think he's I th- I still think him and Calgary are in a pretty decent spot. I, I really do see them as being a huge bounce back. Okay, so maybe it doesn't work out for week one, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. hey, uh, moving moving forward, I think they're they're not in too bad of a spot. In all honesty. Well, there it is. There's our episode five in the books. As good as can be. Uh, this is um, a- another exciting one. Another great guest um, with Neil. Uh, Neil's, Neil's he's good stuff, Neil's man. Neil's the stuff, baby. Uh, looking forward to having him back on uh, at some point again as well. And as usual, uh, this episode is brought to you by THPN and DraftKings, are two of our sponsors. Thank you very much. Love and the love. Giving Thank it you. back. Yes, yes. And uh, and there it is. Episode five. Bada boom. Bada Done and over. everyone out there for listening if you are interested in reaching out to us you can email us at two guys a league and some guests at gmail.com you can find our latest episodes on our website at twogalag.com or you can follow us on twitter for all of our info our handle is at twogalag that's the number two followed by g-a-l-a-g thanks for listening and until next time 